You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Listen up, our managemental loyal listeners. We are excited to announce that this podcast is a member of Jabberjaw Media. Jabberjaw Media is an independent talk and entertainment podcast network. Just this month, Jabberjaw added five new podcasts to the network, including three new music-based podcasts, Poor Taste, a cocktail-focused podcast, and Too Old to Date, a scripted comedy podcast based in New York City. These shows add to the already amazing roster of music-based shows, which have been a part of the network since its inception. Head on over to JabberjawMedia.com for more information on all of the shows. Are you looking for a new set of scrims or a backdrop for your live show? What about merch flags to have at your merch table or online store? Artistflags.com has the lowest pricing and the best quality around. Their prices start at $119 and they can work with you to keep your budget in mind while helping you choose the best material and sizes for your band. Use the coupon code MENTALFLAG to get $30 off your next order. I've personally used them to get flags for Darkest Hour, scrims for Lorna Shore, and many other artists in recent years. So thank you to artistflags.com. So head on over and use the coupon code MENTALFLAG, M-E-N-T-A-L-F-L-A-G, for $30 off your next order. Hello, and welcome to episode 17 of the Managemental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up-and-comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. Yes, the struggle is real, my friends, but let us help you uncover some of the mystery that is this challenging business of rock and roll. I am your host. Mr. Blasco, and I am excited to be here today. As always, I am joined by my good friend, the co-host from the other coast, a record label owner, fellow artist manager, and podcast pioneer, Mr. Mike Mowry. She's only 17, and you wonder why I am not a singer, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Mr. Blasco. Always a pleasure to get in and get... uh get mental with you soon we will be out of our teens but congratulations on turning 17 and once we're out of our teens i don't think many people wrote songs about uh people moving into their 20s um, so <laughs> no they just made movies about it exactly <laughs> yeah in the last episode we talked about persistence in the music biz it was a really cool episode so check it out if you haven't already This week, I thought it might be fun to talk about cover songs, whether or not and when and where they are applicable to your career and how they can potentially help pave a path to success. This is going to be bitchin', so let's get mental. So, Mike, what is new in your world? 
All is well over here. Um, yeah, just, you know, it's one of those things. It's funny, I was, uh, I've been reading this great book, and, and I've been hesitant to talk about it yet because I'm trying to make sure that I've got a great link to be able to send to it, but I'm going to talk about it anyways, and I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, it's called Interning 101, and it was written by a woman named Emily White, and she does a lot of education, much like you and I are passionate about, and she wrote a great kind of primer for people who are looking to do internships, and as I have been reading it, uh, I realized that there's just a lot of great nuggets, you know, that are good reminders for anybody in the business. And one of which, you know, she is talking about how to manage and handle and juggle the the myriad of tasks that any of us have to deal with. And I think back to 20 plus years ago when I was getting started, we didn't have nearly as much volume of things that we were we were handling. But now, my greater point is. There's just a lot, a lot, a lot of little things that I've got my fingers in and need to consistently touch and move along and push and nudge. And sometimes it's hard to know where to start. But every time I get into that scenario, and this is what she talks about in the book, you know, you just kind of calm yourself, center yourself, and get started somewhere. You know, if you if if there isn't one glaring thing, a massive priority that's pushing everything else out of the way. Just start at the bottom or start at the top and start moving your way down or up the list. So that's kind of where I am this week. What about you? Yeah, man, that's awesome. Uh, you know, same old stuff, man. I mean, I, I think if we uh, go back to, and this all kind of ties in today, but if we go back to episode one, our predictions, I think the, the one thing that you and I maybe didn't totally agree on was the uh, the vinyl the success of vinyl, right? And you were like, oh, I, I, I hope that doesn't happen. But so anyway, I bought a record player. Oh, snap. And, yes. And uh, I hadn't had one for a very long time. And not only that, I really hadn't had any uh, vinyl records for a long time. I mean, I've got like a few, but I sold most of my like Slayer and Metallica and like rare stuff and picture discs and, you know, whatever. Like I sold all that on eBay like fucking 10 years ago or whatever, right? You make, and, you make, um, you make some good coin? I did. Awesome. I did. All right. Yeah, nice. yeah. I had some. I had some good stuff, you know. But, but uh, I kept. I kept the first six Black Sabbath records, and I kept Black Flag, My War, and Damage. Those are the only vinyl records I currently have in my possession. Wow. Right. And um, but the point of it is, is that I have a cover band with Zach Wild, and we do all Black Sabbath covers, and we put out a live vinyl-only release through our good friend uh, Greg at uh, Southern Lord. And then, and then what was funny was he was like, "Oh, hey man, did you check out the test pressing yet?" And I was like, <laughs> "I don't have, <laughs> I don't have any way to listen to it." And he's like, "You're an idiot." And I go, "Yeah, you know what? I am an idiot." And uh, so I went and researched, and um, I found this company that, that got good reviews and was real cool. So I bought an Orbit turntable from this company called U-Turn, and, uh, and, and this is not a commercial. Uh, I get nothing out of that, but I just wanted to mention that uh, I bought it. 
It is in a box, and I cannot wait to uh, unload it this weekend and, and put on my test pressing for the first time, even though the record's already up on sale, and I just hope it sounds good. <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty awesome. I was going to say, would it not have been easier to just go over to Greg's house or his office and, and listen to it? <laughs> yeah, you'd think so, but with L.A. traffic, mm, no. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I, 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 you know, I think we've chatted about it, and I'm in a similar boat. I, I'm looking over my shoulder in my office. I have my uh, Audio-Technica turntable that my good friend Eric Astor at a great company called Furnace Manufacturing, and this is not an advertisement for them, but a testament to it's cool when you get to the position that you and I are in. We know a lot of people that specialize in great things, and so I just asked him, you know, Furnace Manufacturing makes some of the, you know, biggest, they do all the vinyl for, I think, um, Warner Brothers, so they press Foo Fighters stuff all the time and all kinds of amazing you know, vinyl, go follow them on, on Instagram. Uh, it's, it's a really cool, you know, it's fun to watch like the stuff as it's in the process, but he recommended that to me, uh, when my wife wanted a turntable. So I bought it for her for her birthday. And and now with the kid at home, she's like, get this thing out of the house. And so it's sitting in my office, not plugged in, no speakers on it. And I have a test press that I need to approve as well. Um, it is not for me, but it's for invasion. Uh, Dennis Lixon from refused other band, uh, the Label. The label needs a quick turnaround and is sending them here to my office uh, as opposed to shipping them. I think they're going to send them to him in Sweden, but sort of the same predicament you're in. It's like it needs to get up and get on sale before anyone can actually approve the damn thing. <laughs> yeah, I hear that, man. Look, I, I don't really know what sparked today's topic. Um, it, it's probably because uh, I'm about to go on tour with my cover band and uh, you know, I had to buy a record player to listen to the to the test pressing and and uh, we've got a you know record up for sale so i i think it was like you know kind of a, a combination of things but anyway so uh, i just thought we'd run with the idea of of cover songs right so i found an article written by david cusack of diy musician uh and he wrote it i was a guest post on uh, hypebot.com and it's called the art of using cover songs to grow your audience he writes Many artists may have conflicted feelings about cover songs, for although they can be fun to play and offer an easy way to connect with your audience, it can also be irritating when cover songs are all the audience wants and when they get more attention than the band's original compositions. Here we look at the best way to make cover songs work for you. So before we dig into it, Mike, uh, you know, much... uh, you know, much practice with cover songs with your bands? Well, you know, uh, as a, yeah, I mean, you know, guy that played in DIY hardcore punk band, it was always a great way to get the crowd either going if they were a bit stale. You know, you play a song that they knew, especially as we traveled, you know, the band was good, clean, fun. And as we traveled, you know, to some places, some crazy countries, Estonia and Latvia and Lithuania, where they were hungry for the style of music, but probably didn't really, you know, there might have been a handful of people who actually knew our songs. It was easy to dig in and find a Gorilla Biscuits cover or a Seven Seconds cover or Youth of Today or Judge, you know, these seminal acts that, you know, hopefully those people knew. And alternately, you know, after a great show in places where, people knew our songs it was always sort of just fun to kind of pay tribute you know to the stuff that really influenced us and songs that that we loved it was fun to play different stuff and uh you could just have you know even though we were we weren't a a incredibly serious band to begin with you could just almost have an additional level of fun covering somebody else's song yeah i mean 
I just, you know, on today's topic, I just busted out a real quick, you know, top of mind list of, of bands that um, have significantly done something with covers, right? So, so I just kind of threw this out there. So Marilyn Manson and Limp Bizkit, right? Their, their careers have really been built a lot off of, of cover songs. Van Halen was great at doing cover songs, so much so that you didn't even realize they were cover songs. Uh, even on the first Black Sabbath record, there's two cover songs, wow. you know? Yeah. yeah, and and, and uh, Steel Panther, Steel <laughs> Panther, Steel Panther only did covers for like the first like seven or eight years of their career, right? And, then, and only then did they start writing songs. And now, you know, now I don't think they do any covers. But dude, that's all they did. Metallica, Garage Days, come on, man! Like, it, like I know. Yeah. A buddy, a buddy who of mine who I will not rat out because he's semi-famous. He has a Metallica tattoo. And and Metallica is his favorite band, and he didn't know that Mi Evil was a cover. Wow, you know what I mean? He, <laughs> totally. He, he just he just thought it was a Metallica song, and I think that's probably relatively common. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, I mean, I think that happens all the time, and that's sort of the beauty of it is, and I know we'll talk about going through sort of what steps makes it so you can succeed with them but i think that is super cool when you don't realize it and then you do find out and you're like oh yeah that's really incredible that you know somebody else had already done that song yeah even uh even slayer right slayer i mean of course they did that punk records uh you know punk covers record later but before like when they first started out like in high school or whatever dude they they were an iron maiden judas priest cover band you know before they you know and stuff and then uh and then even and then I threw this out even recently, right? So that's like a lot of old school shit, but like I prevail, right? They, I mean, their career is, is built off of a cover. And then um, and then think of all like the YouTubers and even, even the, the Musical.ly kids are getting record deals off of their covers. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real potential to build something off of, at least from my observation. I mean, look at, you know, Fearless Records, one of their best-selling titles that happens almost every single year is their, you know, their Punk Goes series. You know, the Punk Goes Pop or the Punk Goes Hip Hop or the Punk Goes Crunk or whatever it has been, you know, they assemble a number of artists uh and get them to do cover songs and and release it. And yeah, I mean, I know for a fact just from looking, you know, at SoundScans, like I said, it's one of their biggest releases every single year. Totally. So look, digging into uh, Dave's article here, making cover songs work for you. Number one, uh, make it your own. What is the best way to get people who hear your covers into your original music? Question mark. Put your own unique spin on every song you cover. That means bending the song stylistically to fit with the kind of music you play and write. Yeah, I mean, this only makes complete sense, you know, given what you sort of set up, you know, the early part of this conversation with so many of those artists, you know, you take the Metallica track and, and think like, yeah, I mean, it's easy to not know that it was a cover song because they made it into the exact same style of all of their originals, or at least, you know, bent it from the original into, you know, what would make sense for Metallica uh, to play and their fans to absorb. So this is, you know, and, and having dealt with a lot of, of artists that, that have done covers, I will say it's been really fascinating to watch bands choose what song they want to do based on how they know and feel they can change it to make it work for their style and what they think will appeal to their fans. 
Yeah, and I always, a couple things, like, I always appreciate the ones that do something unique with it rather than just try and heavy it up. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like there was there there was that there was that time whenever everyone was like picking like eighties and you know whatever seventies eighties cover songs, and then the only difference was they were just heavying them up. Like I sort of appreciate maybe trying take them a different route, you know, or taking a different type of song and and making it blend with your own thing. But uh, the second thing that I was going to point out is that you know it in the early stages, right in the in the in the you know, whenever you're playing clubs and just kind of kicking around, like I used to see bands in the club days, they would have their set and then they would play a cover song. Right. And when they play the cover song, that was the one that they were the most energetic about. That was the one. Right. And you know what I mean? And that always kind of red flagged it for me of like all if you're the most hyped on the cover song that you play, maybe you need to go back and re reimagine your originals to give you the same feeling that the cover song is giving you because if your own songs aren't getting you that hyped you got some work to do yeah that's a very good point it's funny i watched uh when i was up at that launch music conference which we talked about last week i watched a young band play and at one point they did a cover of def leppard pour some sugar on me and unfortunately it the cover itself kind of dragged out and when i you know, spoke to them afterwards, I said, what would have been great, and I've watched other artists do this, is, you know, it's something that, again, they're at a conference, a lot of people don't know them, it was something that they could use to draw people in, you know, if they just did the intro into the first verse, and then into a chorus, and then led back into one of their own songs, I think it would have been much more effective um, than than painstakingly making everybody sit through, you know, what I didn't remember to be a, a four a four minute song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Number two, subscribers over views. There's this fascination with quote unquote viral videos in the music industry, but a ton of views on a cover aren't worth much on YouTube unless you can get in touch with those people again. We've seen a lot of musicians hit it with a crazy viral video only to release an original music video on deaf ears. So instead of thinking, how can I get 10,000 views, get yourself in the mindset of how can I get as many viewers as possible to subscribe? Yeah, that's that's cool. That's smart, actually. You know, I think that's something that I've, I think of intuitively, but it's really nice for him to point it out that way. And, and even whether it's, you know, Darkest Hour in advance of the crowdfund of their last record, um, you know, which we've talked about ad nauseum throughout many of the episodes, we did two covers. They did um, a Judas Priest cover and they did a Minor Threat cover. And we utilize those as a way to get subscribers, uh, not on YouTube, but people to sign up for the band's email list. And, you know, the band wanted to do the covers anyways. Incidentally, Southern Lord just put those two tracks out as a limited 7-inch for Record Store Day, which was, you know, last weekend. Yeah, using that to figure out a way that, like he says, you can access them again at some point is an incredible, you know, he he's spot on there. What do you think? It's it, it's about it's about getting subscribers. I mean, at the end of the day, that's a an important analytic, 
right? I mean, that's kind of the things like how many Facebook friends do they have? How many, how many Instagram followers do they have? How many subscribers do they have on their YouTube? Right? I mean, these are, these are industry related questions. I mean, it's great to have a video that's, that's really sparked and got, you know, upwards of hundreds of thousands, you know, to millions of views. But if, if that's in a vacuum and doesn't, it doesn't relate to your other videos that you put out that are originals, like in this case, or doesn't translate into someone wanting to subscribe to you to know more about you, it's a problem, you know? So subscribers are, are important. Um, the one other thing too, I was going to mention about cover songs, because, you know, I know that we've got a lot of like, you know, younger up and comers here. I endorse cover songs. I think cover songs are important from a musician standpoint. What I feel like is important for young bands to do is to really dig into cover songs and dissect them. Like, why? What is it about the chord progression? What is it about the tuning? What is it about the transition between the verse and the chorus? What is it about the melody? What is it about the combination of things that whenever you play this song makes you feel a certain way inside that maybe that your own songs don't make you feel right like i think it's important to even if you don't play them live right it's it like dissecting them and 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 playing them in even even if it's just in the jam room just to get the feeling of what that feels like to play this song that gets you super hyped and then go like okay well whatever that is if i don't get that feeling whenever we play our own songs we got to go back to the drawing board and figure out what makes that particular thing tick Anyway, sorry. No, I think you're exactly right. And and it's funny, as we're sitting here talking about it, I keep thinking of all these different examples of, you know, people that are doing covers or have utilized covers, you know, so effectively. Um, in terms of subscribers over views, you know, you take a look at a band like Our Last Night, who I'm sure you're familiar with. You know, they have done a very good job of building up their massive YouTube subscribership with a a strategic approach of doing multiple covers and not only just, you know, doing the audio, they've done a great job of recording the video of them. And, you know, I I don't know exactly what their schedule is on having put them out, but they do multiple a year. And so, you know, I just think there's so many different ways that you can, you can use them, you know, and getting subscribers is, is one that, that is obviously very important. Make YouTube your friend. You know, it's like, it, it doesn't have to be something like, well, we've got a video out. We'll put it up on our YouTube channel now. It's like, man, you could you could be making uh, you could be making your own TV show. You could be making your own vlog. You could be making you know what I mean? It's like it's it's at your disposal. I mean, if it's a build up the subscriber base or whatever, use YouTube for what it's good for. You know what I mean? Do fucking like tutorials on your songs or whatever. But just don't just put up a video whenever you have a video. That's a great point, and so much of what I'm doing, I know we talk about outer loop coaching a lot on here, which you know I'm thankful for the opportunity to to discuss it. But that's you know so much of what we talk about in that course, and and what you and I, of course, know intuitively is, you know, I was talking about this last night. It's like you have the the tools to record things are at everyone's fingertips, and so many artists, you know, they they do they make something and then they just want to spit it right out as quickly as they can. And it's like no, everything needs to have a strategy to it in order to utilize it in the way you know to best benefit your band over the long term. So 
Moving on to the final, number three, do not be afraid to use call to actions. So what exactly is a call to action, or aka CTA? It's basically just you directly asking your viewers or listeners to take some further action. Maybe it's watching another video or subscribing to your channel or entering your contest or clicking the link in your description box. If you're releasing covers on YouTube, you can easily use cards to suggest other videos your viewers can watch next. As you upload your video, you'll be able to add cards in the cards tab across the top of the upload screen. Use cards to suggest other cover songs or even original songs when people reach the end of your videos. So by uh, my uh, recollection, cards is now the official name to what used to be annotations, which is now gone. Is that right? Yeah, honestly, I'm not entirely sure and and I would have to go look, but I think you are correct. I do know they got rid of annotations, um, but I wasn't sure exactly what was replacing that. Thankfully, here at Outer Loop, I have a great staff that takes care of all of those things for me. Um, I think the bigger bit is, you know, just a call to action in general, whether it be social, you know, on the direct platform like a YouTube or like I said, you know, what we did with Darkest Hour, which was come and sign up to our mailing list and we'll send you a direct download of, you know, these covers um, or go watch it and share it and do whatever it is. Call to actions, of course, are incredibly um, important in all types of content, but again, specifically speaking of covers, he makes another great point here. I spend, in, in terms of social media, I probably, probably spend most of my time on Instagram, right? So as a favor to me, right, because I hate whenever I see this, it is a personal pet peeve. If you are promoting a specific thing, an album release, a pre-order, your new video, whatever it is on Instagram, can you please put the link in your bio, right? Because you can only have one. But so commit to whatever that one thing is. And when you're promoting it, please stop putting this insane link that is not clickable in the description of your Instagram post. Please just say link in bio, drive traffic to the bio so that I can click on it and go watch or buy or whatever it is. But please stop posting these insane <laughs> links. It is fucking pointless. <laughs> yeah, that that is that is pretty funny. Um, and I forgot to completely utilize this as a segue for us to be able to, you know, give a call to action for our loyal listeners to manage mental. You know, wherever you're listening to this out in podcast land, please go rate and review us. <laughs> yeah, there, there it that is. There, is there, a call a... to action, people. So get yes. on it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, anyway. maybe you and I should cover somebody else's podcast. We'll do a cover episode. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be awesome what's the what's the biggest most popular one what, yeah, you know podcast episode we're gonna do a cover of it yeah it's got to be mark Marin or something you know i'll play you and i will study it you know the four hour episodes and you know you'll play one role and i'll play the other and you know it'll be like back in in high school when people were trying to you know you were trying to memorize a, a speech or or you know a part in a play not that i don't i don't think yeah. i did any plays but Anyways, or uh, or Joe, or Joe, Joe Rogan or yeah. Gary V. We'll, we'll we'll do we'll we'll copy we'll cover one of their episodes. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, I think in general, you know, it, it is. It's interesting. I think if you would say covers just out of the gate, I, I do think that you know, kind of turn your eye up and say, hmm. But I think you've done a great job of pointing out how many 
massively established artists have utilized them. And in this day and age where content is really king, it is and can be a very effective way to, you know, instead of painstakingly trying to write a new track or you don't want to take away the focus from your existing album, you know, doing a cover can be a little bit easier and you can utilize it as a way to draw people in and then get them to pay attention to whatever else you're doing. I mean, I think the I Prevail cover of Taylor Swift that you mentioned earlier, I mean, that's, you know, that's one of those just without that, I don't know if they would ever have gotten recognized or noticed for anything, frankly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm not taking anything away from that band. I'm just saying, you know, I think there's a lot of people that even once that cover started popping off, were still saying, hmm, is this real? Because I think a lot of industry people fancied themselves as, well, it's just a cover band. But what, you know, Fearless, and, and I had my label deal with them at the time, so I watched them, you know, really jump and go sign the band. Bob Becker, you know, the owner of Fearless, was saying, look, guys, the EP tracks are selling. You know, not only is this cover getting streamed and selling, but the additional EP tracks are selling. And that, to him, made him realize that not only were people gravitating and, and finding the entry point with the cover, but then they were acting, um, you know, on on the other track. So, Where preparedness met opportunity, right? Absolutely. It's It's like a lot of people can go, oh, man, that band's just fucking lucky because their cover song. No, 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 no. That what they did was a good idea and it just so happened that it translated, but guess what? They were prepared. The opportunity presented itself, but they were prepared with their own music and people like that too. So don't try and take it away from a man like, you know, use it as an example. That's what I say. No, I think you're exactly right. Thanks for tuning in. We will be back here next week. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blasco1313. We encourage you to email us any questions or comments you may have for the podcast to me directly at askblasco at gmail.com. Because, hey, people, we do this show for you. Consider it a tool for understanding this ever so challenging and confusing business of music. If you have listened this far, much respect to you for making efforts to educate yourselves and taking your future into your own hands. Mike, any final parting thoughts? I just wanted to say it was really nice to see that some people were anticipating the release of episode 16 last Monday. And unfortunately, you know, my friend who helps us edit the podcast was traveling and became ill and wasn't able to get to it on Sundays as he typically does. And so it was really nice to have some people say, hey, where's the episode? Inevitably, we did get it up on Monday still late late in the day but thanks to all you listeners who you know are waiting for this Blasco and I really have a blast doing it and it's fun even for me to you know to sit here and think through some of these things that aren't in the the front of my you know processing brain uh, week in and week out so thanks to all you guys like I said the call to action here is please go rate and review our podcast wherever you listen to them you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike O'Loop. 
If you'd like more information on my coaching platform, outerloopcoaching.com, 60 Days to Signable is currently going on, so that is full and closed, but we are working on setting up a couple more classes that will be a bit different that I'm really excited about. The first class with Outer Loop Coaching last week went incredibly well. Uh, as we record this on a Wednesday, I'll do the second class tonight. Man, we're digging into some really, really awesome content there. So if you guys like what you're hearing here, check that out. And otherwise, you know, just continue to check out the other podcasts on the Jabberjaw Media Podcast Network. Um, shameless plug, but, you know, I do help run that network and have spent a lot of time trying to accumulate other great, mostly music-related shows that I think people who listen to this podcast uh, will also like so really that's it my friend it is always a pleasure uh spending the time chatting with you about these things and getting your insight because you know that's one of the one of the awesome things that these listeners really get is you know the perspective that you provide obviously as somebody that's out there both managing doing amazing other business things and of course playing in zach fucking sabbath which is sick (laughs) (laughs) yes thanks everybody all right peace This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time. A secular religion, if you will with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now on Evergreen and wherever you get your podcasts.